0: Hello and welcome to Bookish. I am happy that you're here and I am happy to have our special guest, Mr. Rod Kinnair. He is author of Don't Waste This Storm and I am excited to talk to him. How are you doing today, Rod?
1: It's great to be here and as we were getting ready to hear the things of life kind of were getting in the way, but we got together and that's pretty much what my book's about, how you can live life when things don't go the way you plan.
0: I love it. Yes. That is so appropriate for what's happening now. (laughs) So let me, let me just dive right into it, Rod. How did you come up with the name? Don't waste this storm for your book.
1: Well, my wife and I uh, found ourselves in a five-year health storm journey that ended with terminal cancer and she had passed away into 2019. And nine months later, we have this thing called COVID and, uh, and then that awful george floyd i don't know what word to call it but i it was right after our first anniversary that beth had passed away and the first mother's day and i was feeling kind of down and i thought i'm grieving well, i realized i was grieving for our country i wasn't grieving for her and i had thought about writing a book throughout it and i just hadn't started yet with the grieving so i made a point to, to start writing the book because I went through COVID differently than other people. It's because of what we learned on our journey. And, and I think the reason I use the word storm is when you think of storm, you generally think of negative, you know, something you have to wait to pass. And we were in a storm of all storms and we, we found hope and lived life. And I, I want to share that with your, with your audience. And that's why I wrote the book.
0: Wow, that's that's a beautiful story. My mother was diagnosed with um, lymphoma in January of 2020. Okay, so that was wow. like yeah, right before right COVID. before COVID. Yeah, right. yeah, and that is um, I don't think anything prepares you for that type of diagnosis. Yeah. So yeah. So you talk about a perspective shift from victim to victor in life's storms. Can you explain that?
1: Yeah, it. Uh, like I said, we uh, we were in a healthcare defined healthcare storm. I'm not going to get into it. It was supposed to last two years, and the symptoms and everything Beth went through was far worse than the cancer treatment. But we're 18 months into it. We can see the end of the end of the storm, and we hear. You have terminal cancer. We give you 18 to 24 months to live. I mean, the way it just, like you said, with your mom, it just takes you under. Well, you come up, well, so she starts treatment. And then uh, about six months later, we had to spend three weeks at the University of Michigan Cancer Center. And as we were checking in, you have to understand, we had been married 30 some years by now and had done life together. So uh, I said to her, I said, Beth, it's not about us. And she knew what I meant. And, and, and that, in a way, we lived life like that, but it was in a different way. And, and, that's, and that has to do, I take us back to that perspective shift. Uh, when you get hit with a storm, the, the, our, our human tendency is to, to uh, ask some questions and I, I call it the who, what, when, where, why, and how of perspective shift. The first question you ask is, why me? Why my wife? Why your mom? Why? You wear yourself out with why. And then, and then if that's not enough of a, a, and you throw a pity party, I mean, you do. You throw a pity party and, and that's normal. But then you go to a second question, when will it end? Or when, you know, and most aren't terminal. There's a process and you'll you'll get through it. You wear yourself out on that question. And and if you believe in a higher power, that's the only person that can answer those two questions. But the amount of energy we expend doing that, and there's really no value. It's, it's this victim mentality I call it well then the third question you try to take control you you, you first you ask why when then you say how can i get myself or get us out of this and if it's a health situation you get a second opinion a third opinion a fourth opinion you can you can spend your life getting opinions at some point you got to just say here's what we're going to do but like i said all of them are are there's there's no positive value there and i i think when i said it's not about us we started to ask the other three questions. I don't think people think about this. And it's the first question is, what can we do with the gifts and experiences we have? What can we do where we now find ourselves? In this situation or in this geographic location, in this hospital, what can we do where we're at with who is now around us? We came in contact with people we never would have met if it wasn't for the cancer and With that, we started to, I say, shift from victim to victor. But in the course of three weeks, we changed a depressed cancer ward with just simple acts of kindness, discussions, just, and and we found value. And we found purpose. And I thought that was the key for us, was finding purpose Mm -hmm. in that storm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it sounds like um, going from victim to victor is a matter of Like taking action, really, because it's so easy to kind of soak in the sadness of it. Um, But once you can get through that and start taking actions like what type of actions, effective actions that start to shift things. Yeah.
1: Well, and I I did an interview uh, last week and uh, he brought up something. He asked me a question. He says, how do you what do you do when people put the victim label on you? And, I, and that was something I thought it, that is so true is most people, you'll do it to yourself, but then you have these people and it's like giving you an c- excuse to just exist, right. to not move forward, to not have value. And, and, and people do it. Oh, poor you, you have terminal cancer. My right. wife actually did not tell people until uh, about two years into it when they gave her three months to live. She said, I don't want to be pitied. But I think she meant, I want to live life as normal as I can. And everyone doesn't need to know. I think she kind of knew people would do that. So it's really two things you got to do with the other people that love you and they're trying to support you that, no, a victim label, uh, I, I, and I saw that in COVID. It was like, you heard it too, that term, I can't wait to get back to normal. Sometimes in the storms of life, you learn things. It's an opportunity to grow and it's a new normal. Mm-hmm. As some people are starting to discover, you know, I don't, I can't say post COVID. I don't know what we are right now or <laughs> whatever we are. But I, I think that was the key that there can be an opportunity. It's not a, an obstacle. And, and I, it, it does take perspective shift though. You have to get out of that victim pity party mentality.
0: Hmm. So what are the ABCs of gratitude and how can they allow us to rise above the waves of life storms?
1: In that the the storm Beth was in prior to the cancer, there was a lot of insomnia and just achiness, lethargy. I mean, she'd be lethargic and yet she couldn't sleep at night. And I would as she it was it was actually a dermatological thing she was going through and very itchy and so I would lightly, you know, caress her and just in maybe two, three in the morning, she'd go to sleep. And I just realized one night I said, I got out my game and I'm an avid reader, but apparently Rod came up with the ABCs of gratitude because I can't find it anywhere. And I said to Beth, I said, let's pray the ABCs of gratitude. Or let's say, and she goes, what? I say, you pray for someone or something you're thankful for, then what starts with A, that I will do someone or something. It starts with B, and you do C. And we had Z covered. My oldest son-in-law's name is Zach. <laughs> so
0: oh, that's perfect.
1: <laughs> Ebony, in the last two years of my wife's life, we never got to Z without her falling asleep. The blessing, counting your blessings, the value, it just that, again, we have that tendency. I mean, even look at the media, nothing against it, but it's all negative. You try to find something positive. you go on your phone and look it up, it's negative, 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 negative. And so if you can shift to uh, that, what you do have, and it's amazing. And I, when people say, what audience is your book for? Whatever storm, the concepts we found, um, I, I've worked a lot with youth in the past, the suicide rate went up. Well, why are they, they're feeling they have nothing to live for. They don't see any blessings in their life and just trying to shift that thing to realizing what they do have instead of focusing on what they wish they had or what someone did to them and so ABC is a gratitude and I after she passed I which is normal was having a tough time falling asleep and I started doing at night and fall asleep
0: uh you know what that reminds me of so I'm a fan of fan of classic movies and I love the movie White Christmas and There's this scene where one of the characters can't sleep and Bing Crosby's like, oh, you can't sleep. Count your blessings. And he starts he sings this song about counting your blessings. And it starts off when you're worried and you can't sleep. Yeah. Count your blessings instead of sheep. You'll fall asleep counting your blessings. Exactly.
1: Instead of sheep. There you
0: go. That's wonderful. You and your what? Huh?
1: Yeah, that's great. You You're gonna to have to pull up White Christmas and look for that song, you know. Yeah,
0: I think you'll love it. I think it's gonna become your next favorite song. <laughs> so you and your wife discovered um, many keys that allowed you to thrive in the storms of life. And what are those keys?
1: Well, as I said, gratitude was the first one. Focusing yeah. on gratitude was huge. Uh, one which I, I, I think we luckily uh, were already in this. I wonder if we if we had hit with that cancer if we would have but it's the value of relational community because when you get hit with the storm your tendency is to isolate to wall off to wait for it to pass and we i had a breakfast uh group of guys i met with every tuesday morning at six she had some women and we started hosting a a small group for couples shortly before her cancer but they don't have to be in your same storm i mean that be a cancer you know group or whatever but it's, it's the support you get. It's nothing special they say. It's just that. And then I can remember this one morning trying to get Beth to sleep. I, I got up and I'm saying, I got to go to the six o'clock breakfast because I need it. More times than not, Emily, I ended up encouraging someone else there, the one with the wife with the terminal cancer. And I think you need feeling valued when you're in the storms of life. Mm-hmm. And so having a group was the third important thing uh, really the fourth, and it was something we'd always done, but people expect you be a victim, pull back was serving others, service. Um, I can remember when she was diagnosed, I had started going on mission trips to the country of Romania, dental medical mission trips back in 2013, and then she started the storm in 2014. She went that year, and then she gets diagnosed with cancer in June, and we're supposed to go to Romania in July. Well, our oncologist says, you can't go. That knocks your ability to fight infection down. You you can't go. And we uh, thought about it, prayed about it, said, we're going. Um, my wife did something in 2016 that she was kind of just, just, I don't know, she wasn't outgoing like me, a little more quiet and more reserved and yet very very caring. But she did something that made her feel very, very self-conscious so she could live life in 2016 you imagine what crazy thing she did
0: uh when bungee jumping <laughs> yeah.
1: she when she went in public wore a mask Ah! <laughs> you got it you're the first house to laugh <laughs> yeah nine months after she dies the whole world's right <laughs> back then they thought she had something she was going to give them we would have to take letters on the airplane to fly to Europe to say no she's trying to keep herself from getting something Uh, but back to service uh leading up to that we were gonna I was gonna I canceled my class reunion I was a leader and wrestling you know head of the wrestling team and everything in my high school but I haven't been to a reunion in like 30 years I was signed up to go in September we canceled it well as we then a couple weeks praying thinking about it we we realized That's what responsible people do. You don't want to let people down when you're in a leadership role or whatever, your commitments. And we said to ourselves, let's just say we're going to stay with whatever we're doing. And if we have to cancel, someone else will step to the plate. We never canceled another thing the rest of her life.
0: Wow.
1: And that that is not what the average person, even a responsible person does, is they don't want to let anybody down. So she ended up going to Romania four years. She was asked to host a young mom's night out group for dinner. My wife's gift was hospitality. She always entertained. And for like 20 women make dinner, right, virtually the day she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And she said no. And I called her pastor's wife up. I said, she's doing it. If I got to make the meals. She never missed a month. Even when she was at three weeks, mm-hmm. she had everything bought, everything planned. And my daughter and daughter-in-law served the meal, but the value of serving others. Uh, so 2019, we fast forward a few years. She went into short remission 2018. The end, it came back 2019. She's hosting this young mom's group and she started this word for the year. She would give them a canvas and they would paint it. The year before my wife passed her word for the year was joy. Wow. She's two and a half years into cancer, about four years into this health journey. The year that of 2019 that she passed her word was hope. And she had a Bible verse uh, about hope on it. That was her favorite. The next morning we go to the oncologist without warning. He says, with best numbers, I give her three months to live. If you thought a hospice, out of nowhere, no warning. But when that happened, you know, we, we ended up doing our due diligence. We moved near our daughters in Grand Rapids, Michigan, a few hours from where we lived for new treatment. It seemed to be working. So we decided to go to Romania. The woman who's supposed to be gone in ninety days, six months later, we're going on the trip, and our youngest daughter had gone four times already. And actually, during my wife's cancer, our youngest daughter thought she was pregnant; it was fake pregnancy. My daughter went through cancer with my wife.
0: Mm. You can imagine having a
1: wife and a daughter, and wow. went to Romania every year. So we go to Romania, and my wife, the quiet one, I'm always given a testimonial or speaking at various churches. And this year, I said, "You've been given a platform." The year before she spoke for like five minutes well leading up to this remember given the fact she had three months to live six months before she um i'd say can i help you with what you want to say i've got it, i've got it, i've got it, i've got it, i've got it. it's like what do you mean you don't even know how to public speak <laughs> she spoke for 15 minutes we got it videoed my oldest daughter went to romania for the first time and in that she said something not knowing the book's name she goes as she's summing up her journey she told him about going to Romania with all the cancer and, and she says, I guess what I'm saying is when you're in the storms of life go listen to God and go he's got in his hands he's got me in his hands but at the end she says, you know when we come to Romania she's looking at these villagers she says uh, they tell us how blessed those Romanian people must be And she says, we take more home with us than we give you
0: mm. It's more
1: blessed to give than to receive. Five days after we got back to the States, she uh, opened her eyes in heaven. Wow. The chapter in that book is Go Big and Go Home.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. But I mean, wow.
1: that's kind of how we live life. And, and that through service, we just found so much purpose. And now the book is just an extension of the purpose we brought to others during the storm. And people just, I think a good part of the world sees themselves as victims and thus, thus they have no value.
0: Right.
1: Everyone has value.
0: Everyone has value. Mm, that's such a beautiful story. Oh, my gosh. Um, can you explain the question? When do you tune an instrument before or after the concert?
1: Yeah, about a year before Beth started this five year storm, I was part of a a men's 10 week growth group. And well, first of all, when do you tune the instrument before or after the concert? Obviously before, right? Well, I, I, you know, whether you're a person of faith or not, they encourage that we spend time in the morning collecting our thoughts. If you're a person of faith, praying in yeah. the Bible, whatever it is, you know, random. And um, I had always been kind of a type A personality with a, a little short fuse because I wasn't filling my life with bad things. I just had five kids in activities. I'd serve in the community, serve in our church. I own my own dental, I'm a dentist, by the way, dental ah. office. Um, and uh, yeah. And I always, that when I went in that growth thing, I wanted peace in the storm. And I didn't even have a clue the storm was coming. I didn't even know what storm was, but I started that time in the morning. And I, I remember trying to close my eyes and just reflect and my mind's going, my old my 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 things I got to do. It took months, Ebony. I, that was eight years ago. Uh, about six months after I started every morning, I, we were sitting uh, in church and I, I had my leg crossed. And I said to my wife, look at my foot. She goes, it's not moving. My entire life, I've had this, it'd be moving a mile a minute, my foot. It's still that way. I have a peace and ability to handle anything. I don't ever get excited. And it. how you start the day before you walk into the storm. You know, are you at a place to handle it? And I've talked to so many people that do try to find times in the day or fit it in here and there to collect themselves, but it was, it will always be huge. And I, and I started journaling a little bit, like a little half page in a journal and people don't realize when you journal, it allows you to look back and maybe see what was really happening and the value of it that you might miss. But for me, when it came to write a book, it was all there. Right, I had, yeah. I had journal and it wasn't like I was meticulously journaling the journey, but as I looked at it. So yeah, when do you tune your instrument? Or even do you take time to tune your instrument? Many people don't. they just go, 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 go.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that's a great metaphor. And it makes sense. I,
1: I read that somewhere. And I'll tell you, everybody who's interviewed me is, wants to know what is that? And I, it is a good metaphor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you,
1: you, who in a symphony would not tune their instrument? We as human beings need to be tuned to play a melodic song in the storm of life, and you can.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: actually sounded like something my wife would have said.
0: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> See, she's. She did you feel that she's
1: person, artistic person?
0: <laughs> Rod, do you feel she's still with you in some way? I'll
1: tell you, I did a podcast Thursday. It was our anniversary we just celebrated our 40th before she passed two months before it would have been our 43rd most definitely uh i live to make her green eyes roll and i see them roll i actually i the, <laughs> the fifth key i talk about here just real quick i don't know where. time is laughter you was like oh no i'm suffering it's a pity party you can't laugh i brought laughter in her life um you know the ABCs of a gratitude i i she was can you imagine shaving your beautiful wife's head when she loses her hair? Yeah. There's nothing more humbling. And she felt so unbeautiful. Mm. And I thought, I got to do something. So one night I said to her, I said, Beth, what's your name? She says, Beth. I said, no. She goes, Beth Kinnear, no. Beth Fritzler, no. I said, when I say it to you, you have to repeat it or I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. And my wife, I said, was kind of more mild manner. I go, your name is Rods Hottie." Right. i can still see that blush i'll see it the rest of my life she said it she needed to hear that mm-hmm. she needed to hear she was beautiful i don't care if you have hair or not and i think there are people in our lives who are in the storms it could even be co-workers they need to feel valued when we're going through the storm together now it's not as intimate as what i say with my wife but um i don't think people do that uh, and, and showing showing appreciation i I had another thing I, I told her, I, I said one morning, I said, What's today? And this isn't humor, but it goes back to the showing the people around you appreciation when you're in the storm with them. And she goes, Out on Monday, May 14th. I said, No. And today's the day I'll love you more than yesterday.
0: Hmm.
1: And then that night, I said, What's tomorrow, Beth? The day uh, the day you love me more than today. And then a few weeks later, she was always the one her The five love love languages. I don't know if you ever heard that book. Okay. Her love language was acts of service. So Mm -hmm. I was just speaking her love language the last five years of our life. I was serving her, but um, I said to her, What can you ask for? Because she really had a tough time asking. She was one who'd take care of herself. And I said, Anything, anywhere, anytime. And I think unconditional love showing them. So yeah, this book, it has all these keys in it. But I think the biggest thing I'd like to point out is at the, it's like, it's a great story. Everybody says, I can't put it down. Great. What is the value to the reader? So at the end of every chapter, I put what's called refuge reflection questions. Uh You know, as you're stepping back from that chapter, how do you apply it? And that's what I'm hearing the most is people are saying, wow, this is making a difference. I had one person say, we were in a minor storm and I started reading your book. It's like, I just saw the value in it. I never would have seen. So that's, you know, uh, why I'm going to be speaking, uh, you'd ask, I have any speaking engagements. Uh, it's it's ramping up quick here. Locally here in Michigan, I am. I, I've got contact California. We're going to get out that way. But... Uh... Ah. I mean, uh, what I didn't really say after eight years of being a dentist, I always serve people. I actually left dentistry and got a theological degree and was in church work for seven years and 20 oh. years ago, came back to dentistry. So I have a speaking background.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's I'm great. Start
1: using it to, to bring purpose. I started a not for profit. If you see my wife's name behind me, it's mm. called Be the Hope. Mm-hmm. And I started a Facebook group and I, I, during COVID, I just, every day when they were saying we are a divided country, I would find someone with a darker skin than me and have a be the hope moment. Mm-hmm. It might be a Hispanic African-American grandpa pushing his daughter, uh, a granddaughter in a stroller where we're social distancing. And I tell them how beautiful, but the, the be the hope uh, Facebook group is we can change the world, not with government policies, faith-based policies, simple be The hope moments. So that's, that's where my energy is going to. I'm starting a foundation and trying wow. to, to get that off the ground. Yeah.
0: So tell us where we can find you online and where we can find your book.
1: Well, it is so hard because the, the publisher's website's not up yet. So, my right now, if you, you go to Be The Hope uh, Facebook group and message me on it, uh, my email address, R, my last name, first name is Rod, R K N O E R seven at gmail. And it's coming, it's just coming so fast. And uh, but we actually, a year into my wife's terminal cancer, bought an abandoned Girl Scout camp on 20 acres and renovated it, Be the Hope Retreat, which hasn't opened due to COVID, we're hoping to get it. But yeah, that's where we're taking. what you can do if you don't see yourself as a victim, you can bring value in Mm -hmm. the storm and the rainbow following the storm.
0: Rod, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for sharing these intimate stories about your wife. And um, because I know there's a lot of people going through this like every day. Um, And then especially with COVID, it does it just puts more pressure on that type of situation. So thank you so much for opening your heart to us. And I wish you all the best. I'm going to say goodbye to our audience, but I'm going to chat with you for a moment. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Bookish, and I will see you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.